on the length of days God has given you. And then as a couple here that have been coming and you've seen them around Eat and Phyllis Sanders, uh, can you guys just wave your hands or stand up? These guys have been married last week 61 years. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, and uh, if you haven't got to know them, reach out to them. They're just uh, people of faith and love God and uh, have found, a, I think, a home here at the branch. And I'm so grateful for that. You guys are just awesome. And uh, 61 years old. That's older than me, okay? Just to get that down, okay? It's older than Hey, church, let's pray together. Oh, God, we do bow before you, knowing that you're the great physician. You're the healer eternally for all of our souls. And you, uh, God, want us to uh, experience as much good health, God, as, as we can. I, I know that's your will and the forces of a fallen nature, forces of a fallen world are at us and uh we have and deal with mortality and the issues of our body. And uh, God, our, our hearts go out to Sean uh, Day and his uh, young wife and young children in these days as uh, he's uh, dealing with a, a decline. Um, and so we ask God uh, for your favor on them in every way, God, that they need. We trust you, God, with his soul and their lives. If it would be in your will to bring a complete healing or a relative healing to him, oh God, you know that that's on our hearts. And we would pray into that before you right now, submitted completely to your will. So consider him and his family right now in the God, we know that uh, Jim Chapman's, uh, we're grateful there's been no damage to his heart, that he's going to have to undergo quite an intensive surgery. We pray for the success and every doctor, assistant, and every piece of equipment that's used on him for the success of this for his health's sake. Thank you for Jim and Mark. Thank you for their faith in you. They trust you with their lives, not just here, but forever. And so, God, bring him through this, we pray, as a, as a church and people who love him. Pray, too, for Kim Salters, who's undergoing some tests and dealing with some of that, God, that you would uh, make known the need and that there would be a resolution to it for his health's sake. God, we love you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look beyond this life upon which every person will die, save you come, and, 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 and then we have this hope, a certain hope, it's a sure hope, it's, it's one we, tr we, we can completely rest our lives on, stake our lives here and forever on, and that is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is our Lord and our Savior, and we again declare that and thank you for that. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to make him known. As we open the word and we hear from Jesus, uh, some difficult words for for, uh, for us to deal with, but they're real and they're needed. Would you help us to receive your word, God? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, um, thanks for being among the number of the branch today. And uh, this is summer, so people are kicking out and going and visiting and doing things and vacationing and such. So um, may your summer be filled with uh, 
God as you get out into nature, perhaps, as you do the things that uh, connect with family and such over the summer, may uh, you brought, be brought closer to God, even if you're not able to be here on a Sunday-by-Sunday -Sunday basis. We've been in this Jesus Talk series, which is through Matthew 5-7. through 7. The greatest talk often is uh, said about Jesus' greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're just picking it apart little by little over the summer, along with mixing in some other uh, messages uh, as well from uh, folks. So we're going to look at this uh, section now that we've just approached uh, in verse 27 of chapter 5. A part of it will be on the screen, and then all of it is inside of your worship folders this morning. You can follow along there if you'd like. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what he said. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right eye, uh, excuse me, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better, better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And that's the the talk from Jesus that we're going to look at a little more closely today. The story is told of an old priest who was asked by a young man, Father, when will I cease to be bothered by the sins of the flesh? And the priest replied, Son, I wouldn't trust myself till I'd been dead three or four days. Some of us men get that, okay? <laughs> it's very real. Historian J.D. Unwin studied 18 different civilizations in an effort to best determine which facts accounted for their disintegration. And his conclusion was this. Every society has one of two choices, either sexual promiscuity and decline or sexual restraint and growth. That's his conclusion, looking at 18 different civilizations that, you know, tanked. What, what's, the, what's the common denominator? And that's what he came up with. Jesus here in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is addressing uh, six different commandments. We, we may get to, to four or five of them uh, as we move through the text. But the first two are the sixth and the seventh of the ten critical national rules for the development and success of the nation of Israel. Moral standards, we call them the Ten Commandments, moral standards that are applicable really to all nations. The first, which we talked about earlier this month, it was a couple weeks ago now, was, this, was on the sanctity of life. You shall not murder. Sixth Commandment, you shall not murder. And we looked at that as Jesus got down to the root of it being this idea of anger. We looked 
closely at anger, at being one letter short of danger in our lives. We've talked about anger. Righteous anger and that anger which is not healthy can produce great pain and danger to us and others. But now he's turned to the sanctity of marriage. Shall not commit adultery. Now he takes it just a step further, doesn't he? He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he went on to talk about this idea of, of if we don't deal with that appropriately, it could be curtains later in the very end. So these are high-stakes talks that Jesus is giving us right here. And so I, I, I want to I get into it. This is going to be a little more PG-13, uh, but I, I won't get into ex- any, any ex- too explicit language. But understand we're going to talk about things that are very real to us and in our world. <laughs> it's all around us. You've got to be, you know, you've got to not be... Uh, sensitive at all to understand that we deal with a centralized culture where this stuff is in our face quite a bit and uh, it's something that you know we, we that was dealt with in Jesus day and Jesus had some things to say as well as today consider this as far as how important this idea of marriage is to God and how he wants us to to see it as so important it says in Leviticus 20 and verse 10 this, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. That's how, in the nation of Israel, that's how they dealt with adultery in that day. That's how important it was uh, to God in the development of the community of people that would be of faith in him, that would follow his rules in life and who are always for our best god desires and gives us the boundaries in life to keep us from driving off the road of life and and destroying ourselves so he has this very it's very important uh for him so understand that so jesus talk here clarifies something for us doesn't it clarifies that sexual purity includes the heart or the mind not just the physical act of intimacy and the misuse of the sexual act, uh, but, it, but there can be an affair of the heart, an affair in the heart. So we can sin. Can I say it? I'm just gonna, we can sin in the heart, in the mind. Guilty not just from an act, but also from, as Jesus said, lusting. Lusting, a strong desire for to possess, even to dominate in some cases. And so, uh, and so the seventh commandment it was followed in Jesus' day to the letter of it being applicable to the act. But Jesus is saying this is, this is more than that. In fact, if we looked at the tenth commandment, we would hear this. Uh, it may be on the screen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. 
That idea of coveting is the same idea as this word that's used in the Greek for lust in the New Testament. And so uh, there's a condemnation, even a sin, if we violate the coveting factor <laughs> of coveting or lusting after uh, someone, someone's wife or husband, because this is a vice versa thing, uh, in our minds, in our hearts. So Jesus describes lust here as heart adultery. Lust is craving another's relationship that we don't have right to. Lust is thirsting to gratify the self, emotionally or physically. Lust is longing after an experience or chasing after a feeling. Essentially, lust is seeing a person as an object to possess and making that person kindling for your fire. And if, and if every human being has a fire, God built us with an engine. It's your sexuality that he give, gave us. And it is awesome. And it is good. And it's amazing as it's contained in that act of marriage, in the context of marriage. I, it's, just, it's the most beautiful, fulfilling thing I, in many ways that God gives us. Jesus says here that every time a man lusts after a woman, now let me just say this, this is the way I believe it. In real life, if it's a woman on a screen, or if it's a woman on a page, he's committing adultery in his heart. Now, let me just clarify here. If a man looks at, an, at a woman that's attractive, that does not mean that's a sin. Sometimes I'll express to women, besides my wife, that, man, you look good. You know, you look great. And some of you have even said that, right? Because you do. <laughs> you do look great. You know, you, you dressed up and you look great. And, uh, you know, just to let you know and affirm that you're a beautiful being. God made you beautiful. Um, ladies, that's God did. Now, us guys, it's another story sometimes, isn't it? Oh, it's okay. Don't have to say anything. <laughs> That's just it. Yeah, so, so just looking at uh, an attractive woman does not mean we sin. But anytime uh, a, a man would stare in order to lust, we've crossed a line. And Jesus would say you're looking lustfully. Um, and, and so it's trying to feed that hunger and thirst uh, physically. Women would do that. It may be more emotionally in general. I'm making a general statement there. But women might do that more emotionally. Consider that a woman who would entertain an innocent flirtation, romanticize about life with somebody else's husband, or entertains a Facebook fantasy even, I would suggest to you to consider that she too would be committing adultery. Even if it never leads to the act. Because... God's concerned about not just what we do, and he's concerned about that. Don't get me wrong. He's certainly concerned about that. But he's concerned about the meditation of our hearts. He's concerned about what's going on deep within. He's concerned about what we're thinking and where our passions are in our lives. You know what? I'm concerned about that with my kids. And if you have kids that would be concerned about that, how they think, because uh, you know what happens 
because out of, out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus would say, the mouth speaks, but then, then there's also the actions that follow in, 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 in grave danger. So Jesus goes right to the root of adultery, lust. He goes right to the root. He says, right here. Okay, so if you look at Proverbs and uh, suggest to you this is written with the guy in mind, but look at 5, 6, and 7 the chapters in Proverbs sometime, and you'll see the warnings of the adulteress. This is the woman who's pursuing another woman's husband. It's not just a husband that pursues another husband. Uh, um, man's wife, but it's vice versa. And Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 has a, quite a bit of text there. You know me, I say, can you read the Bible every day? Just try to read some of the Bible every day. If you read the Bible every day according to the plan that we have, which I think, you know, if you're on the tables, you would find uh, there's some, I think, that's, that, are, that are back here. Right there, Ray's holding one up right there. I have one in all my Bibles. I can't find it in this one. But Read Proverbs for the day. So today's the 23rd. You'd read Proverbs 23. I know it talks about some overuse of alcohol in there, by the way, in Proverbs 23. Pretty sure. I remember. I'm trying to read the Bible every day. But if you read the Proverbs every day, you'll get to this thing on 5, 6, and 7 once a month, guys. Just beware. There's temptresses out there that want you because they're lusting in their own way for the man so anyway this goes back and forth it's good for the goose is good for the gander some say um, and so there's these warnings that God gives because he cares about us he cares about you he really does lust uh, or this coveting is uh, not just a root by the way of adultery um, but it's also, as we see in the scriptures, a root of other forms of sexual immorality. This term sexual immorality comes, the term in, sometimes used in some of your versions is fornication. That word is general in its sense that it can include every kind of sexual uh, no-no, every time, a type of boundary that God has given. And sometimes it's just placed out there as sexual immorality. Now, here's a scripture you can go to and check some of this out. In the Old Testament, God gave his law for our benefit. Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20 lists the boundaries to our engine, to our fire. Why do we need boundaries? Because th this engine, this fire, which is such a wonderful gift for sexuality, the devil wants to corrupt. Your flesh wants more than it should get for your, your welfare. And so there's, there's boundaries that God puts. And you go into Leviticus 18 and 20, you'll find them. Well, that's the Old Testament, we might say. But in the New Testament, the, the gospel word about Jesus Christ, as it was made known, went to the Gentiles, these were non-Jews. They didn't have the Old Testament scriptures to give them the guidance on how to live their lives. 
They didn't know about Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20. No one ever told them about that. They're just living according to what the land said, what, the, what was allowed in the governments, what was legal but maybe not moral according to God's will. will. And so they just, you know, so, so, so they, uh, and so they didn't want to have the Gentiles, as they came to faith in Christ, have to become Jewish in order to be saved. God didn't want that. You could just become saved by Jesus apart from having to become a Jew. In other words, become circumcised, have to obey all of the law that was back here the way the Jews had through the time. They didn't have to do that, but they did, they, they did get recommended four things, which they were told, these are the things that you need, to, you need to consider. And I'm reading out of, and this is Acts 15, verses 28 and 29, if you want to note it. But I want you to note what they said to those folks. They said, you are to abstain from food sacrifice to idols, because they were idolaters and were honoring uh, their idols, even above Jehovah God, of course. So they said, you're not to have food sacrificed to idols from blood. You're not to eat the blood from meat of strangled animals. And the fourth thing that they told them they were to do, these are the requirements, they said. The last one, and from sexual immorality. Well, what's that? What would somebody understand that to be? You know where they would look? Leviticus 18. And Leviticus 20, God's rules on our sexuality. What to do with this engine that we have? What to do with this fire that's our sexuality? And, and we want it to be used in the right way, right? So God wanted us to procreate. He wanted us to enjoy the sexual relationship in marriage. That's what he wants. <laughs> and, and if we do what he, he, he focuses and instructs us to, Life is incredibly good, friends. He wants it that way for us. He's a good, good father. So, the Bible says you'll do well to avoid these things. And so he included this in this whole list. And so we see in that list forms of sexual immorality. Adultery is one of them. That sex outside of marriage, which could include adultery, but it could also be cohabitation, uh, which is living together unmarried. This, as we understand, is a very common thing in our culture today, right? Incest, homosexuality, bestiality, that's sexual relations with animals. That, you can go read about that. God says, don't do this. Why? Because people did it. So God's about trying to help us. Sexuality is this wonderful gift from him. But as everything good that God created and wants for us, humanity falls from it. At some point, we, we test God with our disobedience. We test the boundaries just like a little child would. <laughs> it's like, and, and culture goes a different way from us. All of this happens to us. We've got an evil one who wants to come in and destroy, kill and steal all that God has designed for you and me to be so good. Mm. And so, friends, we, 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 God designed our engine, if I can say it that way again, uh, this fire <laughs> to be expressed in the context of marriage. 
And uh, we may look uh, at, with admiration at beauty and not be guilty of lust. Understand that. It's not about temptation here. Temptation is not a sin. If you're tempted to look, as I've told you, this time of year, uh, skin shows up. And I'm, I'm a man that's married, but females, your skin affects me. Is it okay to say that? Guys, you know what I mean, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just the, too much skin affects me. So I've got <laughs> to figure out how to deal with that. And we'll talk about that just in a moment here. Um, but So temptation is not a sin, but it's a willful dwelling to, uh, on impure thoughts on purpose, playing and replaying them in my mind, inciting the imagination. Some Jewish scholars called lust the chief of all sins. It's the hidden sin of the heart and the mind. And Jesus is bringing that to light here. The Bible gives us this progression from temptation to sin to death. Look at what the Bible says in James 1. I think this will be on the screen. But each, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, this is the lusting part. Follow me? This is the coveting part. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The wages of sin is death. The weapons we fight, the Bible says, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we have to start in our thoughts and start in our hearts to protect ourselves, to bring God glory, to make all of the beautiful gifts that he's given to us, you know, glorious and fruitful. How do we maintain uh, sexual purity? To maintain sexual security, number one, go to extreme measures if necessary. This is what Jesus said. Go to extreme measures if necessary. And look what Jesus says. This is verse 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. See what he's talking about? He's projecting out. Your life is more than just the here and the now. How do we say it around here? Don't live for the dot, live for the line. So we got to live here, but just don't live here. Realize there's a big line out here, the line that never ends. That's the forever life. This is the temporary, finite life. This is the one we get, can get really consumed with, but it just is going to go away pretty fast. When we get to the end, the older we get, the more we realize the dot is really short, right? Older guys and gals, there's a few of you out there, okay. It's just true. It's just temporary. So if your right hand causes you to stumble, Jesus goes on and says, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Just see how high the stakes are for this stuff? So take drastic action, extreme, if we need to, to get rid of whatever tempts you to sin. Don't minimize your lust. Don't ignore your rebellion and redefine your sin somehow. That's easy stuff. Here's the hard stuff. Fighting lust is difficult obedience. I get an amen on that. Fighting lust is difficult obedience. Got red-blooded men out here? Can I hear it again? Fighting lust is difficult obedience. Now, gals, you too, not, not saying that it's not something you have to be concerned as, as well, 
but this is important. Now, is Jesus saying to literally gouge your eye out? Well, what about the other eye? You know, <laughs> really take the hand off. As a, so Jesus uses this terminology elsewhere, too, in talking about don't, uh, don't cause anybody to stumble. Don't cause the young in faith to stumble. He says go to extreme measures because there's, 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 uh, there's consequences to be concerned about. And so, okay, so here's where I'm at with this. Don't look if lust is a problem. If your eye causes you to sin, don't look. Don't look. Turn away, right? This is what Jesus said. Um, What we do or do not do in the present will determine our place in the future. Don't pamper sin. Delay can be deadly. Sin is is to the soul what cancer is to the body. It will take you out. Don't do halfway measures. Don't do half-hearted efforts, Jesus would say. Uh, They're not enough. Radical surgery is necessary when it comes to sin. Cut off those things that may lead to sin or to feed your lust. Whatever, if it's something you're reading, if it's something you're watching, if it's something you're listening to, you know, kind of cut your ear out. Hang out with people you're hanging out with. Cut them out. Get away from them. Women, if it's novels or whatever that goes on today, don't, don't, don't go there. Don't romanticize about stuff. So what he's saying is that if we have, to, we have to figure out how to identify those things in our lives that feed our urge to lust, we have to get rid of them. That's what Jesus is saying here. If, if, if we can't handle being at the beach with, a, with bathing suits and such, it causes us to lust, then we need to find a new place to go. And not get around all that skin, if that's what it's going to do to you. If, if, if we can't have cable t- television or whatever without engaging shows, which entice our flesh, we need to have it removed or, or, or have the stations blocked or figure out how to manage that. If we, can, if we cannot be responsible on the internet, we need to get rid of it or, or set up some accountability software. Some, are at the, some of that, by the way, is at the bottom of the second page there, that just the sampling. Romans 13 and verse 14, Paul the Apostle put it this way, friends. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know what he says? Make no, make no, make no provision. I'm the repeat there. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. See, your flesh has desires. You have an engine. You have a fire. And it's a God-given one. And it's awesome beautiful we need to put boundaries on it the way God has designed secondly um, well extreme measures let me just say that, that, that there's in the Bible it talks about running flee sexual immorality that'll be up on the screen I think she caught him by his cloak this was Joseph and uh, I think this was Potiphar's wife and he said come to bed with me she said but but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house great consequences came <laughs> because of what, the, what she did with that. But he ran from sexual sin. And so there was these extreme measures, and yeah, there it goes. You know, extreme measures, run from it. Um, flee, put on Jesus. Uh, get away from the stuff, don't look at. Make a covenant with your eyes, like Job had said, that I will not look lustfully at a woman. So the last one here I'm going to touch on just briefly, but this is big this is large. This is so damaging. Uh, avoid the plague of pornography. 
How many of you have ever kind of been surfing the internet? I don't know if you can use that terminology anymore. And something comes up on your screen, go, whoa! I get stuff in my email all the time trying to entice me to click because it's that far away from me looking at stuff that would just start to corrupt my soul. Pornography is sexually explicit materials designed to and intended to stimulate sexual arousal without the consideration of moral concern. We can't just put any kind of fuel into our engine. God made us with this engine. And we shouldn't be surprised that there are substantial problems that arise when people use porn to pursue their sexual satisfaction. It's like putting diesel into a gas engine. By the way, don't try that. Don't do that. It wasn't designed to run well on that fuel. Now, friends, I don't mean that porn won't get you excited or won't get you roused. It, it will. But along that road, things are going to start going haywire. Just to give you one example, sex pursued God's way leaves you feeling closer to a person and more valuable as a person. Sex pursued porn's way leaves you feeling lonelier and more pathetic. I've given you some numbers, what the numbers show with regard to pornography. The terminology that's being used today by people that are dealing with the largeness of this and how it's affected our culture is they're saying um, when they deal with this topic, they're using terms like the pornification of America, just in our land alone. The pornification of America. That's how large this is, my friends. Look at some of these statistics I've got here. Porn's uh, got this increasing easy way to be accessed because of all the formats in today's world available digitally, uh, not just by printed materials, but obviously the internet um, is huge. Television and the soft porn that comes now with PG shows, it seems. It's just, <laughs> number one, over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. This is a list that I think I've given you in your notes there. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. You ever think that those things are out of control? All that kind of sports business entertainment is just huge. Pornography is a lot bigger than that. You just don't see it. It's just under the radar. It's estimated that 50% of websites have pornographic content. USA is the world's leading producer of porn. 150 new videos uh, appear every week. But here's the middle section, five, six, seven, and eight. Look at this, because this is, we're about the family here at the church. We want to see healthy families. God, God wants marriages to be successful and, and kids to be raised up. He, he wants that. We're, we're an outreach church to families. Family Fun Fest is coming up, right, just in a couple months. And we do the family harvest party. We're trying to reach out to families as best we can because they have contained the younger generation coming up. And uh, God wants children to love them. He loves them. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. 
Pornography use, number six, increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 11, age 11, that's the average age a child is first exposed to porn, and 94% of children will see porn in some manner, some way, by age of 14. Not necessarily all uh, the extreme porn, but 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic wasteland. It, the problem is huge. If, if, if we sent a bottle of vodka to every home in America every week for a year, probably there, <laughs> there would be a whole new wave of alcoholics. You know, do all these bottles, well, let's drink them, and pretty soon we're addicted. The internet has created a wave of pornography addicts with its pervasive porn delivery mechanism. Friends, I've given you some uh, the Covenant Eyes, Conquer series, Pure Desire, Focus on the Family has a whole resource list and a PDF you can download that gives you all kinds of resources, uh, overcoming sexual brokenness in a variety of its forms today that happen to us. And so uh, I want to uh, close this message with prayer. And I'm going to invite you to consider your own heart, your own um, boundaries. I, I, you know, I, I, I've got to deal with this every day. I've got to figure out how to not let that stuff get me. Um, and I'm sure there's a number of us in this room that have that. Maybe, maybe it's a bigger problem for you. There's help. There's a God that's greater than all this stuff that wants to help each one of us. And there's resources like a couple weeks ago we had um, His Heart Foundation. They have counselors they have vetted that deal in this area. So you can call them, find a counselor that's Christian-based, biblically-based, that can, that can help if anyone here is dealing with that. Or if you know someone in your family that's struggling and, and can't, can't break the hold of sexual brokenness in your life. And so I invite you to pray with me as the band comes and we have our final song here today. Oh God, this is a tough subject, but the Bible brings it up over and over. Jesus talks about it right here because he cares. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. Oh, thank you for the guidance we have. Thank you for the the guardrails. Thank you, God, that you're po you point us in the right direction. You put us on the right path. Help us, oh God, to seek help if we need it, to uh, manage uh, this cultural pornification problem in our own lives, in our own homes, that we might overcome by the strength you give us grace that we have available. We love you. Thank you for organizations like His Heart Foundation. Thank you for people that have dedicated themselves to helping others in this area of need. Help us, God, with just the struggle to not lust, to not covet, to be content, to guard our eyes and ears. God, I'm just going to open it up right now for for a silence that would allow for people in this room to talk to you, to seek your help if they need, to bring honor to you, to commit their way to you in this area if they need. Hear our prayers.
God, I just lead us right now to surrender. And it is just a continuing surrender that we're going to continue to express to you that we're dedicated to honoring you, to being obedient to you without hesitation, to walking your path as best we can. We know we'll do it imperfectly, but, oh, God, we need you. We need your help. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for your continuing, sustaining, life-giving spirit deep within us that will help us realign ourselves with your will. We love you. Hear these prayers. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Let's give it up to God and and, uh, stand and sing. Worship our Lord this this day as we leave today. Thank you for coming, everybody. And I just, uh, as the end of song, um, there's more food back there. I can see a bundle of it. So uh, I don't want it to go home to our house, okay, especially the donuts. So please uh, help yourselves. Take some with you. If you have children, make sure you get them before you go, right? Okay, and then uh, thanks for coming, everybody. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen. What a great, a great sermon. Amen. Amen. That we all can use. And amen. We were going to do something, but I just feel like we need to really focus after something like that. Just really get to God. Worship God. Amen. So we're going to do that song, The Way, again, because how many know that he's the way? He's the life. He's the truth. He's the only one that can help us with our issues, with our problems, with our desires. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sing. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, 